The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, today marks one year since the introduction of minimum unit pricing in Ireland. So, this was the price floor that applied to alcohol and the purchase, the sale and purchase of alcohol in this country. Uh, Sheena Horgan is the CEO of Drink Aware, and she's with me in studio. Uh, Sheena, has minimum unit pricing worked the way you expected it? Expected it to over the last year? Is it too early to say? What's your assessment of where we are 12 months in? Okay, it's kind of both. Um, It's purpose, and it's a very singular purpose, is to reduce consumption amongst the heaviest or some of the heaviest drinkers. So not the absolute heaviest, but some of the heaviest. And we don't have the data yet as to whether that has shifted that dial or not, to be honest. If we look at experience from Scotland, the figures there show it reduced it by about 6.2%. Now, at the end of the day, the figure mightn't seem large, but if that's reducing harms, if it's reducing hospitalisations, then it's certainly a very good thing to do. But what I would say, minimum unit pricing is one element of a sweet of measures in the Public Health Alcohol Act. It's only by collectively implementing all of them alongside good education and awareness building campaigns that we can really shift the dial in overall alcohol-related harm. And, and where do you want to shift the dial to? Oh, that that's a really good question and, and one I'd find very hard to quantify. I suppose it's about reducing harms and reducing the numbers of those who are drinking to, you know, who are binge drinking, underage drinking. Those type of markers would be really important. Um, what we try and do at Drinkware is in order to prevent and reduce alcohol misuse, we're looking at, you know, trying to support people to either cut down or cut out their alcohol consumption. And we do a huge amount of education around, you know, what alcohol consumption level are, what the HSE guidelines are. So, for example, on the website alone, we've had 6,000 page views in the last three days. So there's a big appetite amongst the Irish consumer to understand it. And when minimum unit pricing came out this time last year, we did an explainer for the general public because we were being inundated with queries. And we had over 25,000 views of the page and people spent on average six minutes on that page. So clearly people wanted to understand what they were consuming, how and why, etc. Ian O'Doherty is with us as well. He's a columnist with the Irish Independent. Ian, I, I, I seem to recall from this time last year, you, you were never supportive of minimum unit pricing. I mean, has anything happened in the last 12 months to cause you to reassess your position? Absolutely not. It's just reaffirmed my views at the time. Um, look, let's be honest. This is a, a sin tax. Um, it's a tax on the poor. Uh, let's put it this way. If you're a tipple of choice, there's a nice bottle of Sancerre or a shot enough to pop. You don't have to pay any extra for that. Whereas I've, I discovered uh, myself, my tipple of choice would be Rockshore. And overnight, a case of cans of Rockshore went from 15 quid to 28 quid. Um, now, I'm not great at maths, but that's nearly double. And it's interesting that the other guest there says it, it's basically, it's a tutorial in morality. They don't want poor people, working class people, to be drinking too much. But this is based completely on the Scottish minimum use and minimum uh, price uses that came in in 2018. And everybody said that was going to great, that was going to be great. It was going to, you know, lead to a drop in crime, lead to better health, lead to better employment. But as Christopher Snowden, the economist with the Institute of Economic Affairs, uh, he wrote a fascinating report um, called The Hangover, The Cost of Minimum Pricing in Scotland. And he said all it's done is that basically Scottish people have now been forced to spend an extra 270 million sterling a year 
on their booze. Um, the, the prediction at the time was only 76 million. Uh, Public Health Scotland have come out and admitted that it hasn't really had any impact whatsoever on health and crime. And all it seems to me is it's just a way of control and making people a little bit more miserable. Like when it came in last year, if you remember last year, last January was very glum. It was, you know, we'd had the lockdowns and the weather was awful. And then all of a sudden people realised that even if they wanted to have a drink at home at night, uh, after they got home from work, if they were lucky enough to still have a job, that they were paying twice as much. It's just, just, these people need to stop interfering in our lives and stop making things more difficult for us. It's, it's just, it's another, it's a classic example. I, I hate that cliche, that nanny state, but I find myself using it an awful lot <laughs> these days of sort of quangos and politicians uh, deciding, right, how can we socially engineer people in another okay. different way? Let- let, let me go back to Sheena. A number of charges there, Sheena. You're socially engineering people um, is one of them. And any mm-hmm. statism. It hasn't worked actually in Scotland. OK, well, one of the first things is we are not those people that Ian's referring to. OK, so we're, we're a charity that our, I suppose our remit is about tackling um, underage drinking and addressing alcohol misuse and harm amongst the general public. It's education and awareness that we do. So we would absolutely support the Public Health Alcohol Act as environmental and legislative measures that can contribute to that. So just just to be clear on that one. With regards to the comments on it hasn't worked in Scotland, I mean, I can't completely disagree at all because the 6.2% is one figure, but with regards to, you know, comments around so lower socioeconomic groups being more impacted, then yes, they are because pricing and pricing changes affects consumption and affects consumers' shopping baskets, for absolute sure. And any of the measures that we look at, we have to look at the intended and the unintended consequences. Mm. And we have to look broader. And And, you know, I I felt when we were back here a year ago or a year and a half ago when MUP was announced in the summer as something that was going to happen post-Christmas or pre-Christmas at one stage it was mooted and it was almost being presented in some quarters as this wonderful silver bullet exactly as Ian said but that's not its purpose and its purpose was specifically for tackling and trying to address some of the heaviest drinkers and reduce their consumption so you can't look at it in isolation you have to look at the bigger picture you have to look at can this make a contribution along with 10, 20 other things And and, and if you look at it uh, is is your claim that if you look at it uh, in the context of all those other things then it is more the policy in general is more egalitarian it isn't um, I, I don't know because there hasn't been enough okay. analysis on it and you know there's we've looked at various we have a research arm so we do our own research and we're always scanning the environment for other research in other markets and jurisdictions and we can see the research coming through in Scotland and in the main if it shows an effect a positive effect it tends to be quite small and when we hear some of the commentary coming for it I, I think we have to look at our own market and our own context and so we'll refer back to half a million people coming onto the website because they want to know and understand what they're consuming and how they can either drink differently or not Mm. drink at all and how they can support each other. So there is very clearly an appetite and interest in consuming and reviewing how we consume and we would take huge positives from that. We already know about a third of adult drinkers want to make positive changes. So we think it's down to us as a society, so be it media, be it charities like us, be it government, policymakers and etc. that we all try and facilitate that. How can we work together to make that happen and encourage that? Uh, it sounds like uh, Sheen has been perfectly reasonable there, Ian, isn't she? I mean, she's leaving the door uh, wide open, as I would interpret it, uh, to abandoning minimum unit prices 
advertising if indeed the evidence in the future is that it ha- doesn't have the intended effect? Well, that's because they, everybody now realises that it hasn't worked and it hasn't actually achieved what they wanted. Um, look, let's just cut, cut to the chase. This is a tax on the working class. It's a tax on the poor. It has nothing to do with underage drinking. Kids should not be drinking underage. That's to do with an enforcement measure in off-licenses in pubs and in supermarkets. Uh, it's a completely separate issue. And it's this idea of guilting people into thinking, oh, if you're against this, well, then you want kids to become alcoholics. And like even, I mean, Stephen Donnelly, when he was boasting about it, when he was bringing it in, there was a real stench of moral puritanism about the whole thing, that basically they just don't approve of certain people drinking. And it's the fact that it doesn't apply to the higher quality, the more expensive drinks that the middle classes can afford to buy. I think that was one of the things. To be, to be honest with you, Kieran, it's just, it was a really mean-spirited, punitive and nasty gesture that hasn't worked and should be dropped. Sheena, at what point would you be willing to agree that it hasn't worked? I mean, I know you're saying well, it's still too early. We're waiting for more evidence. But at what point does the waiting become too long? Do you have to say, well, listen, the evidence is just not coming? Well, to be honest, that's not the role of Drinkaware to comment on that. That's just not who we are as, as an organisation. But I think what we have to do with any and all of these measures, we have to keep reviewing, checking, questioning them, looking at, as I say, the intended and the unintended consequences. And we have to make sure that they're fit for purpose in the overall context of everything else that we're looking at. So I agree, it's not, it's not going to tackle underage drinking. It's not going to go near it. And all of our data and our work in that space, you know, would, would agree with that point. That's not its purpose. I do think it was positioned as being, you know, this wonderful measure, which it isn't. It is meant to be quite specific. It was oversold. And we have to look at that. Oh, most definitely. When, I, when we were listening to the commentary, we normally wouldn't have commented on it at all, except that we were inundated with media requests and with general public requests. Mm. We went, OK, you know what? This is our role as educator and awareness kind of campaigner. So we put up the MUP explainer on the website. And as I say, 25,000 people looking at it is phenomenal. So it shows people were interested and they wanted to know how it would affect them. Gina Horgan, CEO of Drinkaware and Ian O'Doherty, columnist with the Irish Independent. Thank you both very much uh, for joining me here on the show. Uh, minimum unit pricing is a failure, says one listener. Middle class mindset to control, in their view, the uneducated working class for their own uh, good. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.